0: everybody welcome to the film for fans podcast that's right this is your home for movie news reviews and movie fan views the podcast from movie fans for movie fans i am your host ryan Denlevy, joined as always by my co-host rob Benham.
1: what's up everybody get a haircut
0: oh very nice <laughs> just a uh, little little incentive there to check out the youtube channel to watch uh to watch that there, and see Rob's my hair
1: go from like here to here <laughs> <laughs> in the span of a week.
0: There you go. There you go. All right. We've got a great show for you. We are going to talk about the box office performance of Bond. We'll give our review and talk about Daniel Craig's legacy, as well as our watch list. So we've got... Uh, We got some fun things in store for you here. Let's jump right in. Box office results from last week and not a surprise No Time to Die finishes first at 55 million. It's the number that's a little surprising at 55 or depending on which figure you check 55 56 million somewhere along those lines. This is a little bit lower than anticipated. The numbers they were anticipating were somewhere around 60 million. I was surprised that this wasn't, I honestly was surprised this didn't do 100 million the first week. After Venom did 90 the previous week, I was surprised that this was not a bigger release. Uh, We'll get into that in a moment. But that was number one, Uh, Venom two finished uh, second at 31.8 million, bringing it to a, Total of 141 million over two weeks. Adams Family 2 did 10.8 million. Shang Chi uh, finished fourth with 4.3, and that is up over 200 million at 212. And Many Saints of Newark did 1.4. Uh, so, Rob, what did you make of the box office numbers for Bond?
1: Yeah, I think that there might be a combination of factors involved in this. I think maybe the length of the movie might have something to do with it. It seems like longer movies in general, unless your name is Titanic.
0: <laughs> yeah, two hours and 47 minutes is a yeah. long haul. That's for it's sure.
1: Struggle. Um, I think there might be some carryover from uh, the fact that Spectre wasn't really that great of a movie.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I also think that the endless delays probably did not help anything no. when it came to the movie.
0: Yeah, I think uh, the rollout cycle was not as big because um, they promoted it heavily. And then um, I, I wonder if there was a lot of people that just like barely realized that it had come out. I don't know. I, I was surprised. Um, I, I, the length one is interesting. Um, intuitively, you would guess that some people wouldn't go to a movie that's that's that long. Um I don't know. Has that? I mean, you and I are not exactly the average moviegoer person mm-hmm. at this point. But has that ever dissuaded you from going to see a movie? Uh, the length? Uh, not
1: me, because my favorite kind of movies are long dramas.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> or if anything,
1: if the movie's longer, I tend to be more interested in going <laughs> to check it But I know that's not. Oh, that is that is not normal. We've seen, um, like studios, obviously famously recent example would be Zack Snyder and Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Warner brothers with fighting about the length of a movie that it happens where um, they kind of demand that it be shorter. And like you said, one of the things that stuck out to you, you mentioned venom and how well it did. One of the things about venom was that it was only an hour and a half long. Yeah. So I wonder if there is something to that, if someone's going out and, you know, wondering if they want to spend x amount of time out because i mean it might not seem uh, crazily significant but two hours and 47 minutes is almost twice as long as an hour and a half movie so you know it is an investment if you're going to go watch it in the theater
0: yeah it's it's interesting i'm curious as to if it is a big factor Uh, like how many people check the length of a movie before going um, if you're already planning a night out, is that a disincentive considering you're planning on spending the night out? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's the, one of the first times I've heard that as an excuse for an underperformance at the box office. Uh, so I'm just curious. I mean, it's definitely a longer length than any of the other Bond movies were. So that, I mean, that's certainly, it's certainly possible that that's the reason. Um, yeah. Yeah, I still expected it to do better. I think I got a sense of it. I went Thursday night to the to the IMAX showing, and I was expecting a very full theater, and it really wasn't. And mm. so I was like, huh, that's interesting. Of course, the theater I was at did a Wednesday night release. Yeah. Which I didn't realize. And then they had two. That was the second one on Thursday. So.
1: Well, I saw it. Um, I saw it Thursday evening at. Nine, nine or nine thirty—I don't remember—and
0: mm-hmm.
1: there were only three people, yeah, in the theater, counting me. So I, I kind of same reaction, like, I feel like there should be a lot more people here.
0: Yeah, <laughs> this yeah. It was just—it was interesting. I wonder if, yeah, I, I'm not sure. It, I, I can't quite put my finger on exactly what it might have been. Now. If analysts were only projecting 60 million for it, it's not that far off their projections. Mm-hmm. Um, so apparently uh, we're not talking about something that just like completely bombed. Uh, and it has done well internationally It's over 300 million already internationally. So the film has done well in other locations. Uh, but yeah, that's it's that's really interesting. I, I, w- I was quite surprised by that. Um, yeah. Also uh, other new Venom keeping up strong on the, uh, on the second weekend, 31.8. So that'll be good. I wonder if we'll get into our review of Bond, but I wonder if after the initial, um, uh, the initial critique of Bond comes, came out, and then people hear how, how people liked it in the theaters, if you'll see a, if you'll see a pickup for the second weekend. Yeah, I'm curious.
1: yeah I, I actually rented um, the first Venom because I'm planning on going to check it out hopefully this week in the
0: theater. Yeah, because I think that that certainly helped Venom. I mean, Venom Venom did very well in the box office, and I think people enjoyed it, and so they went out and saw it again. I, I'm wondering if the if you'll see the a a less not much of a drop off for Bond in, in its second weekend, but we'll see. Um, oh I wanted to throw one another story out there that I found after I put out the the outline for the podcast. Oh doing script. off out. script. Um I'm
2: not prepared for this.
0: So apparently uh, in in the viewing of Venom, and since you haven't seen this, you can pick up on it first time. In the viewing of Venom, they actually show scenes from the they actually show stuff from the Matrix Four. Huh. The filming of The Matrix 4 is in the background on the scenes. Apparently, both the movies were shooting in San Francisco at the exact same time. And uh, apparently, the Venom people were not happy about it because they kept having to move their shoots and move their locations because mm-hmm. uh, Matrix had almost all of downtown.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's kind of funny. What they did is apparently there was uh, there's a scene where there's a bunch of helicopters chasing the bad guy. Uh, apparently those are helicopters that were actually in the air for Matrix 4 and they just decided to film them and use them as part of their movie rather than having to come up with their own. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, so they're actually using the mi- helicopters from the Matrix in, their, uh, in the movie. I thought that was right. kind of interesting.
1: That's hilarious.
0: Yeah, so if you haven't seen Venom, the scene with multiple helicopters—those are actually helicopters from Matrix Four.
1: <laughs> Sweet, I'm gonna have to check Go that figure. out.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right, so that's what uh, that, that's what came out this past week. Uh, two major releases coming out in theaters this week, and very intriguing. Uh, the Last Duel is is one of the big releases. Now, this has an all star cast. It's got Matt Damon. It's got adam driver jody comer ben affleck um this this one is very intriguing and it's basically um, it's about the last ever duel in france Uh, apparently king charles iv declares that uh, a knight must settle his dispute with his squire by challenging him to a duel and there's lots of intrigue and um mayhem around that particular incident. Uh, It's directed by Ridley Scott. So you've got you've got all the home run hitters out for this one. Uh, So we have The Last Duel. Also, we have Halloween Kills, the latest in the Halloween series. And this is going to be starring, of course, Jamie Lee Curtis. She is back. Judy Greer is also in this one. And of course, it's the saga of Michael Myers, as he continues to wreak havoc on Halloween, as he is wont to do, his scary mask. Yes. Uh, so, Rob, what's uh, what's your what's your feeling about the last duel and Halloween kills? I think it's
1: likely I will see both of them. Okay. The last duel, I'm very intrigued by. Obviously, it's like I said, a long drama, which I love, and yes. <laughs> Ridley Scott. Uh, very interesting director, director for me because he's known for like these epic mm. movies and not necessarily having a ton of acclaim for them. Some of them, like Gladiator, obviously, he got like a lot of notoriety for, but um, others, like Prometheus and some others, I thought were really good, but he didn't quite get the level of mm. acknowledgement for, I think. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to see. I like how he shoots his films. I think he does, he's a really good director. Mm -hmm. and Halloween Kills, I've just been uh, watching a lot of horror movies lately because I never really did. Now I have a friend who likes them, and so now I'm, like, motivated to watch them, even watch them on my own, which I never did before. (laughs) So actually, when we get to our uh, watch list, spoiler alert, I'm going to talk about a horror movie. So very famous one that I saw for the very first time. Mm. Um, So I'm interested in seeing Halloween Kills, but probably watch some of the other ones first before I watch it. Uh, but I'm probably going to see it in the theater. So.
0: Okay. I'm still not there for, on horror movies. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's just not, it's not my thing. It's not my genre, but Hey, you know, so be it. Uh, but it is interesting that this, this has been a long running series and obviously there is still, um, there's still an audience for it. Now. Um, I don't remember has, has, um, Oh, what's her name? Um, Jamie Lee Curtis been in all of them, or was she not in some of them? I, know she was I don't think she
1: is in all of them, but she is in several of them. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. Cause yeah, cause I
1: believe there are some that like diverged from the original story a bit as they went on.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I don't think she's in all. I don't think all of them are the um, Michael Myers versus her kind of idea. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, um, but I, I hope it goes better for her coming back to her famous series than it did for Linda Hamilton coming back to mm. Terminator because um, that did not go as well. Um, but I hope it goes well for her. I am very intrigued about The Last Duel. I've been intri- intrigued about this one since I, I first saw the trailer a couple months ago. And I'm curious. if I think it has the potential to be very, very good. Uh, I really hope it lives up to it. It's been a while since we've gotten a really good period piece. Um, they kind of went away for a while. So I'm, I'm thankful we're getting another historical kind of period uh, battle piece. And, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Adam Driver is very good. I think he's a very good actor. I've seen him in a number of things and uh, outside of the you know, the Star Wars trilogy. Well, it's also
1: hard. It, I think what's impressive to me about him is it's hard when you are a main character in a thing like mm-hmm. a Star Wars trilogy to be taken seriously as anything else. Yeah, and I think he's done a really good job
0: of that. Did you see the Did you see the movie Silence? No. Uh it, it was really, really good. He started as a Jesuit priest uh, in Japan mm-hmm. during a time where where like there was major persecution of any Christians who were there. Uh, but he was just really, really good in, in that one as well. Um, so that was another one. And I'll, when we get to it, I, I watched another Adam Driver film this week. Uh, so we can get to that when we get to the watch list. But, yeah, I think there's I think both of these will do well this weekend. So and you got another weekend of Bond. Lots of movies to see, Venom, No Time to Die, Last Duel, Halloween Kills. Man, it's a good time to go out in theaters. So, get out there and see something. All right, Rob, it's time. Let's get on to our review of No Time to Die. It's time uh, for
1: no time. Yeah. All right, so we'll start
0: out, we'll start off as we do always with the big uh, reviews, we'll start out with general impressions and um, non-spoiler content, then we'll move into the spoiler content. Uh, Rob, what do you think of the movie?
1: Uh, general impressions, beautiful movie. Mm-hmm. Like, right from the very opening scene where they did the tunnel shot and zoomed out into the forest, I was like, hmm, this is Yep. <laughs> this is what I remember, like, Skyfall feeling like. this is This is good. This is good. And I felt like it carried that throughout the movie. I've really, really liked the one scene. Um, I'm not going to get spoilery. So the one scene and like the, the cabin where they're running on the ice. Mm. That's all I'll say about that. So I thought mm-hmm. it was brilliantly shot and executed. Um, overall, I just really, I like this. I thought, I felt like they used the sets well, like they had done in Skyfall, like we had talked about. Uh, the different locations were utilized well. and um they really focused on the differences of them what makes them unique and made them feel all different i really like that um i in general as a general thought i wish they had used rami malik's character a little more Mm -hmm. i feel like they used him at the beginning and then he was gone for an hour and then it was like (laughs) and this is why he's bad like (laughs) Mm I wish it had focused more on him and like built up his character because the one scene where they actually showed his character, in my opinion, being himself, which was when he was talking to the psychologist, um, he was like terrifying, I thought. And I wish they would have had more of him in the movie because I think he did really well in that
0: role. Yeah. We talked about this on the instant reaction podcast. We felt the same way right after the movie. And uh, they did it for narrative purposes. And you could yeah. always tell he was like working in behind the scenes throughout the film when he wasn't on screen. But yeah, yeah. you did miss him on screen.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: general thought that I don't think is super spoilery. It's hard because, like, there's a major spoiler when we get to the spoiler part <laughs> and to try and not talk about it is like, I'm trying to figure out how to say things in a, in a safe way. Yeah. Um, ah, this might not be fair to the writers and fair to the director and fair to like the Bond series in general, but I really wish it had been Vesper Lynn who had been Mm. the woman that was in this position in this movie mm-hmm. because I feel like you just would have had a lot more emotional weight yeah I just didn't feel the emotional weight with Leia SeDu's character
0: mm-hmm. I think and, yeah I think you're right in that Vesper there was a much more natural emotional connection with Vesper than there was with Leia SeDu's character um but I thought they did a much better job of building that into this movie. I think the failing of, any failings of that are mostly due to the failings of Spectre mm-hmm. and not the failings of this movie.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, I think you're right in that they did a better job building the female character in, in, in uh, Casino Royale than they did in Spectre, which meant there had to be much more heavy lifting and no time to die. Which I think they did their lifting well on that from an emotional standpoint, but you you're still having to deal with where they left it, Inspector.
1: Yeah, and I feel um, one other note. I felt like the three minutes or five minutes or whatever it was that uh, Blofeld was on the screen, mm-hmm. he was more terrifying in those three minutes than he was in the entirety of Spectre. Yes, and I was just kind of like, where was this character, Inspector?
0: It was there at the very beginning in the boardroom and the boardroom table. Mm -hmm. But that was it. After that, gone.
1: Because it was, like, it was, to me, it was like Silence of the Lambs esque Mm -hmm. as far as how terrifying his character was. His character, who was like immobilized and couldn't do anything, he could only use his words, and yet his words were. Like it was just really well written and mm-hmm. I thought really well acted by Daniel Craig, too, to read in his reactions to
0: it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure.
1: How about you? You have any other initial impressions since I, I didn't uh, have a chance to watch your quick mm-hmm. take thing on it?
0: Yeah. Um, I would say that. Um, Overall, I really, really enjoyed it. I was I was concerned that um that it could go either way. Whether is it in the casino royale skyfall part or is it in the Quantum of Soulless Spectre range? You know, which of those two sets? Was it going to be part of the good set or the bad set? I would say it definitely is part of the good set. Uh, it really, really worked, I think, overall. Um, I like, I like it really, I think what it did was it created a narrative arc throughout all four movies, which was kind of there, but it really, really carried that through and made it a narrative arc. Um, the Daniel Craig movies now have, have a cohesive feel to them as a result of this movie, which I thought was well done and impressive. Um I really liked the depth they, they were able to give and, and the emotionality of it. Um, it was not just a static bond. And I think that really, really played well. I think the, some of the action sequences was really, really good. But I think what it really did well was it built tension. There were several scenes where there was really, really intense tension. And that that is something that um, action movies don't always do a great job of uh, is building that tension because they'll often jump straight from the narrative portions into the action portions. This one really held you in tension for quite a while in a number of the scenes, which which was really really well done. Um, and I thought all the performances were very were very very good. Uh, except for uh, which we'll get to in the spoiler. I'll, I'll save that for spoilers because then we'll have to talk yeah. about that specifically. Uh, so I was pleased. I, I was thinking like halfway through the movie I'm like, no, this is really good. This is really mm-hmm. really good. Mm-hmm. Um, would I'm so sur- I was. Sur- we talked about this in the instant reaction, but I was surprised at how little Anna DeArmas was in there because mm-hmm. uh, they really played her up in the trailer, and her scene was very very good. The scene she was in was very very good. It just. Uh, she was just in and out though it was was not a it was not a big it was not a big thing so i would recommend it for sure if uh if you haven't seen it
1: yeah i would definitely say it's in the top half of bond movies which there are a billion of them but (laughs) (laughs) it was it was a good bond movie it was not a bad bond movie so yeah i agree with that yeah
0: all right, so let's uh, let's get into the spoilers. Let's get into the specifics. Um, and I wanna start, here's where I wanna start with. Okay, so that's your spoiler alert. Skip over the rest of it to the next section if you don't wanna hear any spoilers. Now, here we go. Uh, let's start with the opening, the opening scene. Uh, I I just thought that was so incredibly well done right from the start. Yeah. I mean, the moments of terror and tension you got at the beginning, both him walking up and then his face appearing in the window
3: mm-hmm.
0: and the way they did like the sliding glass door. Yeah. It like, pixelated his face. Oh man, that was so good. Yeah.
1: I really liked, um, the, the one the one shot that I thought was really, really great was when they showed her in the, Um, under the counter Mm -hmm. and they showed her there intentionally because the gun was in the holster there and then they showed that shot again with the gun out of the holster Yeah, that just tells you like what's about to happen Mm -hmm. which I thought was really really well executed Um, really good filmmaking there because you tell a story without like you said using the visual medium tell it without dialogue which a lot of movies struggle with and I thought that was great and I, I like how the entire, like, the whole mask that he was wearing was creepy. But then when it broke and, like, you got just the half part and you can see his mouth, like, it w- it went from creepy to, like, terrifying. <laughs> yeah. It was, it, and like I was saying in the non-spoiler part, the whole sequence where he was chasing her out onto the ice and, like, shooting into the ice was fascinating because you're like, is he going to? kill this girl or is he trying to shoot in the ice to make Mm -hmm. air and make a spot where he can break through and save her?
0: Yeah. And they really, that was another moment of tension. They really held that up. You weren't sure which direction he was gonna go with that.
1: Yeah. And then, like I said, I was frustrated that after that he disappeared for like an hour and a
0: half. Yeah. (laughs) Like, And this is where, this is where two things, it's like, I wanted to see him more but I, I did like how, how it was, how it wasn't, you knew it was him operating in the background. You knew it, but the characters in the movie didn't know it. Yeah. And so to watch, to kind of like be ahead of where the characters are in the story uh, made for interesting narrative storytelling that I enjoyed. But the problem was it was the cost of a great bad guy getting more screen time. Mm-hmm.
1: And like I said before, the scene um, in the in her office, because she never saw him with the mask off. Yeah. So the scene in her office when she opens the box and sees the mask and just the absolute fear that overwhelms her. And the way he talks about it, like, you know, just you, he, your dad killed my entire family. So I just wanted to. Get revenge myself, you know. It was, it was very straightforward and creepy.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was really good. Um, I I thought one of the strongest. Uh, what we'll talk about what your for what you for you was the strongest action sequence. Uh, for me, the strongest action sequence was the one in Rome, or not Rome. I don't know if it was Rome. Whatever Italian city they were in. I keep saying Rome, but it it could have been some Italian city. I'm not sure. Uh, But I thought that was one of their, that was one of the coolest scenes in terms of its broad action visuals, especially when they're on the motorcycles and they're Mm -hmm. going, they're weaving in through the streets and down the stairwells and up and around. I I really liked how that played out visually. Um,
1: Yeah. The one scene where he jumped
0: the motorcycle up over the wall was pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah, and you saw that in the trailer, but that did not take away from how cool it was. Yeah, <laughs> once it once it's part of the sequence.
1: I really like when everyone was shooting at the car, and
0: <laughs> he's like
1: terrified, and he's just like, um, "It's bulletproof, so whatever."
0: <laughs> well, on top of that, like, what was so great about that is is because he was so ticked off at her, and yeah. he was so convinced that she had betrayed him. He was actually deciding whether or not that he should just let them kill her, yeah. <laughs> and and that was and that was something. Uh, that was another one of those tension moments where they let that play out way longer than you thought they would, and just hold okay. you and hold and string out that tension uh, in the middle of an action sequence. That yeah, that was really good. It was really well done. And then finally, it's like all right, enough of this.
1: <laughs> yeah. Nah. Also, I just really liked all the. The, the whole area around the silo or submarine base or whatever it was at the end. Mm. All the action type spaces, having to sneak around, get out. I really like when uh, he shot at him and they he hit the button or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> or he hit the button or whatever and they went down to the floor. I thought that was really cool. Mm. Um, down the chute. I just, I, I like that whole set of that base that they were at installation.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: It reminded, it kind of reminded me a little bit of, um, like it had kind of a golden eye feel Mm
2: -hmm.
1: like as far as like a big, huge cavernous military building, you know, where you can go around and there's all kinds of different places to explore and hide and chase. Mm -hmm. So I like
0: that a lot. I thought the the scene where the setting I think was used best was the scene in Norway, um, three quarters of the way through the movie. I think uh, where they used the the foliage, they used the thick foliage, they used the dense fog, um, and you really felt immersed in that particular environment. This for me um, was not where I thought. The scenes and the settings were all good, but they didn't just like pop to the forefront like they did in Skyfall. Like Skyfall, they were, the visuals were the key to the movie. Uh, This is not a negative way, but this movie was not quite as visually forefront. Uh, It was much more character focused than Mm -hmm. it was setting focused. Not to say they had bad settings or they didn't use them well. It's just, they were not not the main focus of the story like they were in Skyfall. So I thought that one was good. Um, what did you think of the of the character performances? And we can get into the whole uh, Bond Madeline relationship in this part too.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that in general it was pretty well done. Like I said, I wish Tranning Malik had more
3: mm-hmm.
1: screen time. Um, I think Daniel Craig did himself well in uh, his last Bond movie. Um, Leah C. Dew's character, like you said, I think struggled from having so much to make up for from Spectre, but I think she did well. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about the, we've replaced 007 with female 007. (laughs) But I also kind of feel like they are, for better or worse, setting it up for potentially the next James Bond to be a woman.
0: That's my opinion. See, I don't, I think, I think they, I think they were thinking about that. And I think the reaction was so negative. They're not going to yeah. go that direction. Well, I think. The I mo- don't think they should.
1: I think the movie was intending to lay the groundwork for that. And we'll see if it, if it worked
0: or not. But <laughs> yeah, and I, think, I, think, I think they were going with it. Yeah, and I think they rewrote, I, I feel like they rewrote that intentionally, like there's a scene again where she like gives back 007 to him. Yeah, And I think that was part of the, I think that was part of the deal is that they, you know, that that was something they wrote in to kind of correct some of that. Because I don't, yeah. and I don't think we can get into that some, some other time, but like, I don't think Bond, 007 Bond can be a, can be a female like right i just the character is is established and written i don't think that that can that's the direction to go with that character um yeah other other thoughts on the characters and
1: uh i'm not sure how i feel about Rafe fines as that character it's never mm-hmm. really struck me as like having a ton of depth or there's not, I don't feel a lot of emotional weight from his character and the way it's written and the things he says, it feels like there should be. Yeah. And it's just, it's not the same as like for better or worse. And this is interesting because like all the M's before Judy Dench had been men. Yeah. Like Judy Dench to me was the best. Mm-hmm. And I felt like she had the most emotional weight. So yeah. Um, it's just not, and Ray Fiennes is a great actor, mm-hmm. like fantastic actor. I just don't feel like he has the same level as Judy Dench did in that kind
0: of role. Yeah, it's interesting because they did something with Ray Fiennes in that character that they kind of did um, with Alec Baldwin in the Mission Impossible movies where they send him in, in Rogue Nation in particular, they sent Alec Baldwin in as the enemy, the antagonist. And then he turns out, he he. Throughout that movie, then he flips, and then he becomes the head of the IMF mm-hmm. at the end of Rogue Nation. And they did something very similar with uh, with Mallory's character, uh, where he starts out being the one attacking M and basically forcing uh, Judy Dench's version of M to retire, and then she ends up dying at the end of the movie, and then Mallory takes over. Uh, so it was a very similar type of thing, but you're right. Like it, Judy Dancer is going to be almost impossible to follow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, this is where I would get into a couple of the negatives of the movie. I thought I did not think um, the female 007. I didn't, I didn't think her character was that great. Um, I didn't think the part they wrote for that character was particularly compelling, Um it always felt like she was a tag along to the story uh-huh. and she was just a side alternative. And so that did not work for me very well. Also the character of Logan Ash, I thought uh-huh. was almost entirely unnecessary. I think he was in there just to get the Jeffrey Wright death scene in there.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Like he just, he just didn't stand out much at all either.
1: Um, yeah. The purpose of the seven, 007- uh, female characters seem to be let's annoy Daniel Craig yeah <laughs> like like every scene that they were in seemed to be like pushing that idea like how how can we show that James Bond is annoyed that he's not 007 anymore
0: <laughs> yeah you know Hmm. it's yeah there was just nothing there was nothing to that character there and there was nothing compelling about her you know how much of that's the writing, how much of that's the performance. It's hard to say. Um, like I said, I did think Anna DeArmas was a standout in her scene. Uh, I thought she was fantastic. It was, I did three weeks training. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She was just really memorable, and she was fun and interesting, and uh, I, I enjoyed it for the brief for the brief moments she was in there. Um, I did like um, I did like the romance between her, James Bond and Madeline in this movie. I mm-hmm. didn't think it worked in Spectre. And so you do have the initial overcoming that shortfall from Spectre. But I did think once they got into it, once they were I doing it, I thought they did a very good job of, of laying that out within characters. Like when Bond nearly gets blown up at the beginning, his first reaction is, of course he's going to think she did it to him. And that's going to be like, like that's going to trigger all of those things. Like it's so well done because the moment he goes to her grave is to get redemption. It's like, put that, put that aside. When he goes to Vesper's grave, he's going to put this on, he's going to move on and move forward. And with the bomb blowing up in that moment, it put him right back in that state, re-triggered all of those memories re-triggered that betrayal and so there was just no chance that he was not going to believe she was involved in that and so Mm -hmm. to see that play out and then that take place you know that gap take place over five years was was interesting i thought that was well done
1: yeah i like how he got in the car and she had like what the message from uh specter on her phone and it's like what's going on here yeah (laughs) Uh uh-huh
0: yeah all right what did you think of the plot twist and the ending
1: the plot twist meaning
0: the ending or are you thinking something else the plot twist meaning the fact that he has a kid
1: right yeah i uh like right from the beginning when she said she's she's not yours like well yeah she is (laughs) (laughs) he's just looking at her like um, are you like sure? those blue eyes then they are, uh, you know, just completely random. I think he says something
2: like uh, blue eyes then, you know, um,
1: I, I don't, I struggle with some of the emotional connection between them slash the kid, because I feel like some of it is just a plot device to make you more sad. <laughs> at the end and for me it didn't really make me more sad at the end um what well, made me upset or it's like i wasn't weeping but like james bond dies like actually dies yeah and uh we've had this hinted at before in past bond movies he's come back to life uh or he has not actually been dead or he's been not where we thought he was or whatever but i i don't think um you get off an island with like five rockets being shot at it when you're standing on an open rooftop. Pretty sure he's dead. I'm pretty yeah. sure he's like, super dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very interested in what they do
0: next. Yeah, yeah i I thought I thought the because having a you know having oh hey here's your kid can be a plot device like you were saying. I think it fit well with what they were trying to do with that relationship and those two characters. Like they were trying, they really were exploring the more emotional side of, of Bond, like making him a more well-rounded character. Um, and that was a theme of this movie, uh, kind of like how it all comes together. Because um, what you saw what you saw at Casino Royale, was his, him being vulnerable for the first time and then getting it blown up in his face. Uh, What you see in uh, Quantum of Solace is him going straight revenge over everything that, you know, that happened. Uh, In Skyfall, he starts dealing with his past. And in this one, it's, okay, can he put all of that together and move forward with his, in his in his development as a person and i think that's one of the things that this movie brought Mm -hmm. that you haven't seen in previous bonds.
1: yeah i i think it's interesting also that they killed um felix early in the movie
3: Mm -hmm.
1: because then you're kind of like oh no time to die like felix is dead yeah that means james is safe (laughs) but uh, because felix if you have not watched um, uh, many of the Bond movies, Felix is like just as much a like, part of the James Bond movies as James Bond is. He's like in every one, even though he's played by different people. just like James Bond is played by different people. Um, but he's an important part of several
2: <clears throat> several of the movies. Um, <clears throat>
1: so I think seeing him die was a surprise. i I like how I like how Jeffrey Wright has played that character. Yeah. And I will say, I find it kind of amusing that, like, as they—this is this is terrible because it shouldn't be amusing. Like as they're drowning, I'm like, is James Bond about to kiss Felix Leiter. Like, <laughs> I just got major romance vibes going on there. <laughs> and yet he couldn't
2: save him. As um, you know, I I
1: think that might have hurt uh, James. If, if James Bond's a real person, that might hurt him as much as. Losing Vesper, really, Mm. because he's known this guy like his whole career and they've gone back and forth and they've helped each other and they've been in some tough spots together and always had each other's back, even if they're a little bit, you know, at each other's throats at times. Um, Because you could tell it had a major impact on him emotionally. So I, I was kind of surprised to see James Bond die also then at the end. That's okay. Um. So it was a little bit shocking to me to see that, but that, I guess it had to happen at some point.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I was I was surprised that they went the full, like, okay, we're just wrapping this up completely. You know, characters are done, people die, you know, it, it's done. I thought that they would be something like, you'd get a scene where they were kind of all like winking and nodding to the fact that he was done with Bond. Yeah more and you know just kind of hinting at the fact that he's done or you know kind of throughout those double lines which you know for the audience we know is intended because daniel craig's done but you know they could yeah, be he, his bombs going had, i thought they were going to do something that's
1: like funny that. as that was happening, like as the scene was happening i'm like well, I guess Ryan was right about them maybe having a slight nod to the fact that Daniel Craig is done, the slight nod being that he has been eviscerated by a thousand rockets. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> like, nope, they went straight after it. They went straight after it. It's like, okay, we're cutting this off. It's done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, all right, well, we've spent a lot of time on this. So let's, let's shift gears to, uh, to a, a different question. Um, now that Daniel Craig is done with Bond, what do you think the legacy of him in that role is? Um, what did, what will we look back on and say, this is what Craig and, and his portrayal of Bond brought to the series?
1: Uh, I think he'll be remembered as the most physical hands-on action James Bond. Yeah. Like uh, the most realistic, if you want to call it that Mm -hmm. Uh, there, haven't been some, Slightly crazy things, but most of it has been pretty grounded in reality. Um, yeah. Nothing like surfing on tidal waves from giant icebergs <laughs> or shooting lasers <laughs> from space or going to the moon or having an underwater scuba harpoon fight.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Correct.
1: <laughs> or running on alligators or, you know, any any other number of things that we could list.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> Agreed, uh, and I think I think this will be known as uh, Daniel Craig will be known as the one who gave Bond a much more well-rounded character. Mm-hmm. Um, they really attempted to give him more of a backstory, um, more of a of a personality beyond his job, um, more of a psychological bent to him. Um, there was much more analyzing of who he was, what he was doing, what his motives were. And, and relationally, he was the most vulnerable bond.
2: Yeah. And
3: I
0: think he was able to pull that off without sacrificing, um, without sacrificing his manliness, if that's the right word, <laughs> you know, um, that he could have both sides and still, and, and, and still, still be true to his character.
1: Yeah, I agree with everything you said about that. Like I said, I think the most realistic, most actual person yeah. is Bond probably.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it will be interesting. I mean, you've seen, I, I've watched a number of the Bond movies, but I haven't probably watched as many of them as you have, or as recently. Um, where would you rank him amongst uh, the more popular Bonds?
1: I think I need to think about it some because I've always said my favorite is Sean Connery. Um, I like Roger Moore a lot. I do not like Pierce Brosnan. Mm. <laughs> Which is great because my best friend loves Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> I love to make fun of her for it.
0: <laughs> I, I thought Pierce Brosnan was perfectly fitted for his times.
1: Yeah, he was the view. 90s James Bond. I, I, yeah, you
0: can't. Uh, so maybe it's just
1: the 90s that I hate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh,
1: but Import. i i daniel craig if not my favorite is very close to my favorite mm-hmm. i think i think he is right up there at the top um i like good acting and i think that he's probably the best actor out of any of them
3: yeah
1: and so that has to put him up here at the top um i think visually the movies as a whole are better than any of the other ones and i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that that's just how technology works yeah like you're you're gonna have more opportunity to do more things like drone shots did not exist in the 80s like there were things we can't could not have done yeah you know so they did what they could with what they had so it's kind of unfair to make the like cinematography something that says whether Bond is better than another one, but I, I think that overall his movies are probably the best series if you're gonna consider each actor's Bond a series of movies. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I've, I've seen all of them, so that's my opinion having seen all of them.
0: And I think they paid more attention to, they paid more attention to the plot, the depth of the plot lines and the story in these movies. And I think, I think Craig was able to carry that out in a way that some of the other ones were not as, were not as easy to do. Um, I think I like, I like, it's hard, it's hard to separate the Bond from some of the other ones. Uh, but I, he's up, he's up near the top for me, um, as my favorite. And these are clearly my favorite ones, uh, of the Bond series. Um, so it w- he will be missed. Um, yeah, it will be interesting to see where they go from here. There was a there was a four or five year gap between Brosnan and uh, Daniel Craig. I'm not sure they're going to wait that long this time around.
1: Yeah, I would say probably not. I doubt it, they wait. That long. Yeah,
0: it was interesting because they they clearly rethought what they wanted to do with the entire series between Brosnan and Daniel Craig. Mm -hmm. I wonder what they're going to evaluate and what changes they're going to make. um, And will they be the right ones?
1: Yeah, like we said, the Bourne series kind of, like the Bourne series and that idea of general action realism kind of forced their hand with that. So you wonder if something else will happen similar to make them move another direction.
0: All right. Well, that wraps up our discussion on No Time to Die and Daniel Craig. Um, let's move on to our watch list. Rob, what did you watch this week?
1: So I watched uh, the first Venom hmm. with uh, Tom Hardy. Yeah. And I found it. I had seen it one time before and watching it again. I agree with your assessment. It's a good movie. Like it's enjoyable. It's got a good pace to it. Um, Reez Ahmed's character is a b- good bad guy, um, very detached from reality, very self-centered. Uh, it's a good like um, stereotype of that elite Apple slash whatever other Amazon whatever other company you want, like head of development kind of guy. Yeah, only no concerned about themselves really and their um, self-preservation. Um, I remember when the movie came out, some people were, like, upset that the Venom character itself didn't really appear until near the end of the movie. But watching the movie now, I feel like they did that well. Mm -hmm. Like, the the revealing of Venom, I felt they did well. And, like, I really like the scene where he's out on the um, water buoy thing, and he's, like, talking to, like, Venom's... Face just comes out like split from his body and is talking to him. Yeah, that's like really cool and also very scary. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I liked it. And um, now knowing that the second movie is is focused kind of on Woody Harrelson's character, the sport, the uh, post or mid credit scene with his character, and it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with that because I haven't seen the new one yet. Mm -hmm. Um, I also watched uh, The Exorcist, okay, which is the famous scary movie I was talking about that I had not seen before. Mm. And I have to say, maybe it's because I have seen like, so I've never seen the movie, but I've seen lots of scenes from the movie because it's like a popular culture thing. I think we've all seen scenes from the movie. Yeah. Like the head twisting around um, backwards on the girl's body, her walking on her hands down the stairs. Yeah. some of the other stuff I think a lot of people has just seen because it's been referenced by other things mm-hmm. or you see it in like a documentary or a special about something. I don't know. I know yes. I've seen those things before. Um, i found the movie not, I found it creepy, but not scary. And I, I think maybe that's part of it. Just that I've, I've heard so much about it and seen parts of it that it didn't have a shock effect to me so maybe that's why i didn't find it that scary
0: there has to be an age factor too yeah like older movies just don't like i i i think just where we've come even in horror movies and i'm not a big horror guy so i just know that what they've seen like i feel like some of that has to play a factor in in it too
1: i think the movie the exorcism of emily rose which i've also seen was much scarier Hmm. But that was also a lot newer. I you think know, it's like 15 years, 20 years old at this point. Um, yeah. But I can see why why it is popular. Why it is considered a classic?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the performances are good in it. I think that's a good story. Um, it is definitely creepy. <laughs> like, there's no doubt about that. Some of the scenes are very uncomfortable. But I, I didn't find myself like clutching the blanket or hiding my eyes or anything at any point. Yeah. Yeah. I've been kind of working my way through some of the older classic horror movies. So I'm going to keep doing that. So I'll keep on reporting on those as I go through them. And then obviously I watched uh, No Time to Die. Yeah. That was my movie in the
0: theater this week. So, uh, in addition to No Time to Die, for me, I watched, I took my own advice, my own recommendation from last week, and I watched uh, Logan Lucky. Uh, I really enjoy that movie. I think it's highly underrated. Um, it does a, it's, it's a Steven Soderbergh movie. So the same guy who directed the oceans movies, it's another heist movie. So you've got, you've got that kind of feel and that kind of crafting, but it's in a Southern setting. What they do an interesting job of is they do an interesting job of making it very Southern where like, they all got the accents, they all got the kind of Hick personalities and they They do a great job of treading that line where you're laughing at them, but you're not making fun of them. You know, and that's there's there's a distinction there. Like you're engaging with and laughing at their antics and their accents and their their just southern mentality, without it feeling like you're like they're denigrating it. Um, and I think maybe just the general southern feel of it probably turned some people off. Uh, but it's really funny. It's funny. The characters are great. There's a lot of great one-liners. Uh, the some of the, some of the hit characters are just fantastic. You got Daniel Craig playing playing the Southern accent, whipping out salt substitute and, and out of a sock in prison. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I think one of my favorite lines is they uh they come up to his cousins and they start talking, they're like, um, we needed a guy with computer skills. He's like, Oh, I, I got computer skills. I know all the Twitters. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh man. <laughs> or or there's a great scene where the they stage a prison riot and one of the uh one of the demands from the prisoners is they want the newest uh the newest Game of Thrones books, yeah, and then demand yeah. the Game of Thrones books, and then the warden has to tell them they aren't written yet. <laughs> like, but they were supposed to be out. You're lying to us. They were supposed to be out. <laughs> no, like that was just a great running joke there for a few minutes, which was yeah. really kind of fun. I enjoyed that. Um, But it's it's a great heist movie. It's got a lot of action. It's it's fun. It's interesting. Uh, the characters are compelling, so definitely check out uh, Logan Lucky. I think it's on Hulu at the moment. If I'm not okay. mistaken, it's on Hulu because it was on Prime, but I think it's on Hulu now. So make sure uh, make sure you check that one out. All right, so we're going to close out with recommendations uh, with the upcoming last duel. Uh, give me give me a couple of your favorite uh, Matt Damon movies.
1: Well, obviously you know, I like to pinpoint the performances that really strike a chord mm. as we talked about Daniel Craig mm. in the force awakens. So obviously Matt Damon and Thor Ragnarok as actor Loki.
0: <laughs> that was such a great cameo,
1: <laughs> which having looked at Matt Damon's IMDb page, I have seen that actor Loki is returning and Thor, um, love and thunder. So oh, I'm very okay. excited to see how he is utilized in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but on a more serious note, uh, Matt Damon's been in, like, a lot of good movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, recently, I really enjoyed his portrayal of Carol Shelby in Ford versus Ferrari. Mm. Yeah. And thought that he did very well in that character, um, playing this very driven guy who just wanted to succeed, wanted to come up with something new, wanted to challenge the establishment. And I thought he brought a real gravitas and believability to the character. Uh, I think that's probably one of Matt Damon's strengths.
0: Side note. Yeah. I don't know what was going on in Mount Joy today, but as I'm driving to work, I'm not kidding you that 25 Shelby Mustangs drove past me. Wow. 25. Like the old school, like... Car show, show, it must, must, I don't know where they were coming. There, it was some sort of car show somewhere, but there was 25 just kept coming down the street. It was crazy.
1: Um, And then the uh, other one I'd like to mention is Rounders, Mm. which Mm -hmm. started like a whole generation, myself included, uh, playing Texas Mm Hold'em
3: poker. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, I think it can't be understated how much it impacted culture, especially in high school and college age people. And motivated them to start playing this game, getting interested by this game, and uh, also has one of my other favorite characters in it, Ed Norton.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I just think it's a fantastic movie, and they do a great job of playing buddies who are trying to figure things out and having some real rough times along the way.
0: Yeah. 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 Um... Similarly to you, I was thinking about going with Eurotrip and his, uh, his cameo performance in Eurotrip as a uh, as a metalhead uh, was pretty fantastic at the beginning of that movie with the famous "Scotty doesn't know" song. But uh, I, I will go with I will go with two ones that are are more classic for me, but I just really really like them, and that's um, that would be The Martian and uh, Goodwill Hunting his character in The Martian had to be excellent because he was the only one on Mars. And so all of his scenes, similarly to Tom Hanks in Castaway, like you have to carry the entire weight yourself. Uh, and his his character was so interesting and funny and uh, brought everything to the forefront and you were very, very engaged. Like you absolutely cared that you wanted to get him home. Uh, and so he was just really stand out. And the other standout performance was Goodwill Hunting. Um, it was one of his debut movies. Um, and the, I mean, so many of the acting performances in that with just his role as the savant kid with the extremely broken past and to watch his character develop and especially uh to bond with his his psychologist there in that movie. Um really, really striking and and memorable characters. So that's my recommendations. Martian and Goodwill Hunting.
1: And obviously watch all the Jason Ward movies. Of course. That goes without saying. And the
0: Oceans movies while you're at it. Yes. That we right, met well, movie. <laughs> <laughs> well that is the show uh thank you for tuning in and check out filmfans.com for all of our written content and some other stuff we have on there and like the podcast and share it with your friends until next time enjoy the movies